Hey, it's Jason Cunningham and welcome back to Save My Business, the podcast dedicated to helping small and medium-sized businesses navigate through the proverbial shitstorm. Today's guest, well, it's pretty exciting. I've got a magician in the room. His name is Cosentino, best known as an illusionist and became, I guess, a bit more than popular when he came second. I thought you'd won it, big boy, but came second in Australia's Got Talent in 2011. And I think that's where, for us, the general populace uh, began to see the true magic that is Cosentino. Uh, getting to know him over the journey um, is a very down-to-earth uh, rock star, for want of a better term. And the reason that I was very keen to get Cos on our show is if you look at the entertainment space over the last nine months, that industry, I think, has been hit the hardest. And um, here to tell his story and a little bit more is Cosentino. Welcome to the show, pal. Thank you for having me. What an absolute pleasure. Wonderful introduction. Oh, Very thank you. kind introduction. Well, it's almost like you wrote it yourself, big fella. No, oh, I'm only yeah, joking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Georgia. You left out a few of the, uh, the really poignant points about the... Uh, yeah. They're coming up, pal. Oh, I've got okay, 45 great, minutes great, to feel like oh, I've beautiful, got to go. Beautiful, beautiful. Now... Uh, for those of you who haven't seen Cosentino before... Um, what I'm do you sure. mean? Yeah. <laughs> One of the better looking blokes I've had in the office, so right. thank you very much. I would have appreciated if you left your shirt on at the start, but yeah. uh, uh, the illustrated man, a lot of nice tats there. Cos, getting into it, I, I, I want to ask you, the first question I wrote down mm-hmm. is, have you ever had a real job? No. Yeah. And I know uh, when I talk to a lot of people... And, you know, typically for most of us, mm. we're a product of our family of origin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, we, you know, most of us adults are still just 13-year-old, 14-year-old boys yeah. or girls yeah. inside. And I know me as a kid, you know, I remember in grade one and grade two, you talk to your teacher, what do you want to do uh-huh. when you grow up? And there's some of the kids want to be a policeman, some yes. people want to be a fireman. And I wanted to be a rock star. Right. You as a kid, I know Harry Houdini's had a, a big influence on your career. Who did you want to be? What did you want to do when you were a kid? About 12 years old, I wanted to be a magician, yeah. an illusionist. When I was 13, I saw a magician called David Copperfield. Yeah, Some of your listeners might know. Huge. He played at the Tennis Centre in Melbourne. He was a rock star. Claudia Schiffer was his fiance. Yeah. His show was full of pyrotechnics. It was like a kiss concert. Yeah. And when I saw that, it went from seeing a magician doing, you know, whatever they would do mm. to seeing David Copperfield, that, that was rock star status. Mm. And I thought, that's what I want to do. So I wanted to be a rock star too, yeah. rock star magician. The only difference is that between us really is that you grew up and I, I didn't. <laughs> that's the major difference. And it's, it's funny, but it's also true. Mm. You know how difficult it is to remain youthful? And I don't mean youthful from an aesthetic point of view, mm. superficial point of view. I mean, internally. Yeah. How to remain young at heart. Yeah. I, I know that as a fact. I mean, I, as a father of three kids, uh, two of my boys are 18, they're uh-huh. twins. And, right. and my youngest son is 13. And, you know, I, you know, having conversations with the twins this year, doing mm. year 12 uh-huh. during COVID. Jeez, yep. Pretty challenging. And, but I, 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 I think to myself, mate, this is not an issue. You know, yeah. you think this is a problem, wait till you get older. And mm-hmm. I guess one of the reasons why it is hard to stay young at heart is because the older we get, the more challenges we're faced Correct. with. Now, you as a person, as an entertainer, as a magician, mm-hmm. no doubt you've been faced with a lot of challenges mm. and I, no doubt significant challenges this year. I understand what's happened with your industry, but I want to wind the clock back. Mm-hmm. So you go through school, you're a Wesley College boy. Yeah. Um, I mean, were you doing uh, turning tricks, so to speak, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, as a kid? How, how did it all how okay, did it start? start? So I started or got involved in magic when I was 12. Uh-huh. And so I went to Wesley from prep to year 12. I was actually really shy mm. and introverted. And, and that I had a lot of low self-esteem because I, was, I had a lot of learning difficulties, reading, writing, spelling. I was in all these uh, specialist classes at lunchtime, Mm. before school, after school. I mean, I remember being taken to the optometrist because I was I was a terrible at reading. And they said, well, there must be something wrong with you. You can't see. So they take me to the optometrist and they say, he says, read the alphabet. And I couldn't read it. So they gave me glasses. But there's a big difference between not being able to see, yeah. which I clearly could, yeah. and read. Yeah. They, then there's something wrong with his hearing. It must be his hearing. He's not hearing the words properly. Mm. And then there was nothing wrong with my hearing. I was one of those kids that, I wasn't interested in reading. I'd fallen through the cracks. I'd learned 
ways to disguise my disability. I was very good at copying other kids' homework, getting other kids to help me with the homework. Even from a young age, we used to get homework. I remember like year four, year five, we had homework tasks and I, I couldn't do it. Mm. I would, all my, you know, my parents would, would help me through it. My mother's a school principal. Oh, wow. So it was challenging for her too. Yeah, it would be. So she takes me to the library where we live. We grew up in Listerfield and I'm just looking through books with pictures because I can't read properly. Mm. And I was into comic books and into illustrations mm. and, and, all, and all of that. And I come across a book called The Encyclopedia of Magic because it has these old vaudevillian pictures, posters yeah. of very famous magicians, which are hand-drawn. Mm. So they look like comic books. Mm. And, you know, there's all these handcuffs and ghosts and goblins on them. And my mother from across the room sees me looking at it. And she's like, yes, he's interested in, in a book. I wasn't interested in the book. I was interested in the pictures yeah. in the book. <laughs> and there's a particular picture of a very famous magician called Harry Houdini. Mm. And my mother points to her and she says, do you know who this is? And I said, no, well, I'm 12. Mm. And she reads his little, you know, his byline, mm. his tagline. Mm. Remember, these posters are created in the late 1800s, early 1900s, mm. before movies, before all of that. This is where movies kind of draw their inspiration from. So there's all these taglines. His was, nothing on earth can hold Houdini a prisoner. Yeah, and I wow. said to my mom, what does that mean? And she said, and she tried to explain. She said, oh, well, he, he's... um." He's a man who would escape from jails. And she explained that. I said, what do you mean he escaped from jails? Well, they'd lock him in a jail and he, he would escape. And people thought that he would melt through the locks or dematerialize and then rematerialize on the other side. So he was a bit of a mystery. I said, oh, wow. And she said he jumped off bridges. And I, I don't know how my mom knew this, but she mm. obviously knew about Houdini. Mm. And I found out mm. later, my, my grandfather loved magic. That's another story. But mm. she, knew, she obviously knew somehow about him. Um, very, very famous man. So I said to my mom, he's a superhero. Yeah, because I like comic books. Yeah. She says, sort yeah, of, but he, but he was real. He's not make believe. Mm. Now that's important. She said he's real. Was real. He wasn't fantasy. Mm. I thought, what a guy who can melt through locks. I'm twelve. Yeah. So we take it home. She reads his book to me. She reads these adventures, these stories of Houdini's escapades. He goes to Scotland Yard. They put on their most challenging handcuffs he escapes from them yeah. he, he makes fools of them all and he travels all around Europe and he, he, he's, he's a sensation and in the back of the book it has magic tricks but they're very difficult because they're not designed for children mm. and it's instructional reading so to learn a trick what you have to do is you've got to read the words analyze them look at the illustration then kind of apply the, the, the words and the illustration to your own hands and that was the key breaking down each word, analyzing it, as opposed to listening to a story but yeah. participating. So it's very tangible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I learned to read. And wow. reading is linked to writing and spelling, but more importantly, it's linked to confidence. Because when you've got, um, where, uh, I'll call it an issue, when you've got something that, that you're struggling with, mm. uh, reading, for example, it's very much linked to that confidence. So when, mm. my, when I could read, my confidence increased and I gained the unique skill. That was the side effect. That wasn't the intention. Yeah, the wow. side effect was the skill of magic. Now, You've got to imagine a 12-year-old kid who's struggling with the world where he's in these extra classes, where things are problematic, mm. where he's picked on. Where, you know, people, mm. kids are cruel. They yeah, make fun yeah. of all those types of things. Mm. And my very first trick is making a coin disappear for my father. Mm. It is a trick. I know you're probably thinking your kids make money disappear all the time. <laughs> but, but this is a trick. It reappears at the end. So my father's a structural engineer. Mm. Now, as a 12-year-old kid, to me, he's a genius. Yeah. Very strict man. Everything's got a system and a place, and it's you know he makes bridges and buildings stand up using mathematics. That's mm. his job. Mm. That's all he does. And so I want to impress my father. I couldn't show my mother the trick because she knew how it worked. Yeah. She taught me the tricks. So I'm yeah. showing my father. Yeah. So my father, give you some context. He he migrates to this country when he's 13. Yeah. He goes to school, has to learn and study in English. Can't mm. speak a word of English, mm. and he becomes an engineer. He gets a high you know mm. higher education. And I'm born of this country. Yeah. And I can't read yeah. English. I'm embarrassed. Yeah, of course you are. So I make this coin disappear. My dad's never seen magic. He doesn't even know what it is. Mm. And he says to me, how did you do it? Now, 12-year-old boy, struggling with the world, does something that his father cannot do, transfer of power. Yeah, it's a win. It's a win. Mm. Big win. So I go back to the library. I borrow every book on the subject of magic. My mum reads them to me. It's linked, reading together, learning tricks, reading more, getting better at reading, confidence building, learning yeah. more tricks, compound, compound, compound. And so magic becomes this vehicle for me to hang my hat on, build my wow. confidence. 
and, and become more than just magic taps into this this uh and we can talk about this a little bit more but magic you're doing superhuman things mm. so one of the first things i learned to do was to eat fire make money appear mm. make birds appear creating life yeah when you have control over these elements you become you feel like you become more and i had power oh that's a beautiful story mate because as you were telling me the story of a kid son of a migrant who obviously went to a great school mm-hmm. obviously mm-hmm. his mother is a principal yes his father is an intelligent educated structural engineer yes. make the world go around I, I i was envisaging you as a young boy somehow thinking that you'd failed your parents because you didn't pick up the education piece and your mum was a principal your dad was an engineer and you were really struggling and, and i would have thought that a son of those two parents who becomes a magician may may in the eyes of their parents be a bit of a letdown mm. yet your mum what a beautiful woman to be able to embrace because today uh, I, I cut that today we are much more advanced with the way we educate our kids yes. than when we were when yes. you and i went to school correct you know if you didn't learn this way yes. at school i mean at st bernard's you got the strap correct um whereas today we are open to the fact that everyone learns differently, differently. That's a very good point. Actually, yeah. I'm glad you actually brought that up because people, maybe if they're younger and they're listening to this story, they wouldn't quite understand. That's right. Yeah. So if you didn't fit that mold and you couldn't read or you mm. couldn't do the mathematics, mm. then you were considered dumb. That's right. Now, and if it, you were to analyze my intelligence from a creative perspective, it would have been off the Richter off scale. Off the charts. They yeah. do that now. Yeah. They don't do that back then. Yeah. So he, you've got this problematic child yeah. who's not clever. Yeah. And my mother keeps saying, hmm. He's very creative. He's very clever. He pulls all these scenes out of the movies. He acts this out. He remembers the light. She knew mm. that the cogs were mm. turning, just that the learning is different. I digress a little bit. My mother got a scholarship to go to Harvard University to learn structures on how to teach kids differently. In her school, they teach kids how to solve Rubik's Cubes, yeah, wow. how to juggle, yeah. because it uses different sides of the brain. This has all come about from my mother seeing how I, I mm. learned. But I want to touch on what you spoke about there was a little bit of disappointment mm. because the reading it was a good thing. My mother was reading and my mother was all mums have unconditional love. Yeah. They're the best mums. Correct. Mm. Fathers. And I say this nicely, are a little more conditional. It's true. I'm a father. It's true. Yeah, it, it is, is true. true. Um, I mean, my third son is probably my favorite. No, I'm not a <laughs> no, but, what, but if, if just on that though, as soon as a, a woman gives birth, there's, there's what we call a maternal, yeah. you know, you know, there's breastfeeding and there's, Instant love. For dads, and I've spoken to heaps of mates of mine that become dads, and I go, oh, how's it going? Is it great? And they go, look, to be honest, you know, no, it's taking a bit, a bit of time. Bit out, but once yeah. the child gets to about six or seven months when the child can focus and see his or her father, that's when the bond starts to form. Mm. And, I mean, it, it sounds brutal, but it's honest. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just trying to be authentic. But anyway, I, I, I jumped in across So it. my father did have that reaction. Because mm. once you get to about 14, 15, I started when I was 12, okay, this is good now. It's a hobby. Mm. It's a, uh, uh, Dad, I'm going to be a magician. Mm. Oh, really? Mm. Send me to Wesley. Yeah. Maybe be a lawyer. That's exactly right. Well, because Wesley's not as if it's cheap. No. Invested all this money Correct. for the kid to pull out coins from behind Correct. my ear. Correct. I don't you know, know about that. Correct. Yeah, I mean, obviously, he's producing pigeons every second yeah, day. Correct. It could be a pigeon bread. Look, that is another bird. I know. <laughs> and he's thinking, you know, how do we feed all these pigeons? <laughs> <laughs> so there was that reaction. I slowly, over time, my brother, mm. my older brother, is an engineer, two structural engineer. Mm. So he impressed the parents. He impre- he's, a, he's, a, he's the first child. No, he did everything perfect. Yeah, I, person, I love my, my older brother. He, I, whenever I, I always talk, I just spoke to him when I was driving here. Mm. He's a wonderful um, man. He, he's. The way he's raised his children, he's got two children, but I always talk to him for advice. But he, so I say that as my disclaimer, mm. because he's that, in my eyes, the perfect child mm. who um, married the beautiful Italian girl. Their first child is a boy, mm. um, carrying on the traditional name, becomes yeah. an engineer. And I've set it up nicely. Although, yeah. you know, there's also issues where he, you know, he feels maybe, you know, um, trying to live up to expectations of the father and all the pressure of being the first. So, yeah. you know, and the youngest, I'm the youngest, has pressure of, um, maybe not having a voice, having to scream the loudest to be noticed, having all the hand-me-downs, but having lots of freedom. Mm. Because we spoke about, I digress, but the reason I bring it up is he said to me last week, 
you know, if you'd been the first, you wouldn't have been a magician. There's every chance that's yeah. true. He, he, we had that conversation because it just wouldn't have fallen. He said, mm. I don't think we would have worked in that because yeah. the parents become, they, they let go a bit on by the third. They realize everything's going to be okay. And yeah. Kids can well, we get better at it. Yeah, you get better at yeah, it. Yeah, because the first time, I mean, as a parent, you just, you, there's no book to read. Not no. that you would have read it anyway, but if there was pictures, you would have had a look at it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's true. I mean, uh, but there's no book to read. There's nothing other than, you know, you have been parented once before by your parents and you say, oh, look, I think they did that well and that not so well and you try and change it then all of a sudden you become like your parents anyway. I know. Um, but Angie and I, when we had the twins, we were very cautious and we didn't have one. We had two at once yeah. and they had a, a challenge um, growing inside of Angela and, you know, we had twin-to-twin -twin transfusion syndrome and all sorts of challenges. And so we were very walking around on broken eggshells. Mm. With the third kid, we're like, mate, he'd be right, work yep. it out, jump on a push bike at the uh -huh. age of three and away you go. You yes. Know? Yes. So, okay, so obviously your family of origin has had a big impact on mm. you as a person. Mm -hmm. I'm enjoying this journey, but you get to 15 or 16 and dad's sort of saying, okay, magic's enough now, yeah. time to study and become a lawyer. Yeah. How did that go for you? Well, I actually, I understand it now as an yeah. adult because as a father, all you want is your children to be secure. Yeah. And that financially, that's a big deal. Mm. So how do you make a living out of, out of out of this? It really kicked me when I was about 17, 18 because I went from a kid who was struggling with school and then we were the first year to have um, the, the enter score, the new system, oh, which yeah. was all based off not projects but actual tests. Yeah. And there's other stories in here where, I, my, for example, my highest subject was legal studies and I didn't even follow the curriculum. I actually went through it myself because I couldn't learn that way. So I actually taught myself. Yeah, right. And that's a whole other story. But anyway, mm. so I ended up with an enter score of 90. Oh, wow. So my parents go, oh, okay, which is really interesting because, I mean, it's hard to compare previous years, but all of a sudden out of the three brothers, like I'm, I'm, I'm the dumb one, mm. but now I've got the highest enter score. Yeah, that's, a, that's amazing. Which is a bit weird. So they're like, oh, I should go to uni. I know. No, it was maybe the magic that got you. Yeah, yeah maybe, <laughs> what, maybe it's just an illusion. <laughs> so now I go to uni. Because my father says to me, so I'm at uni now and I'm doing what, a Bachelor what, of Business. Yeah, cool. And, 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 I'm, and I'm majoring in marketing, but I'm going to switch to economics. Mm. I really enjoyed it at, at, at school. So I'm just doing it because I thought, okay, well, you know, all right, yeah, I guess I did it. And it kind of shocked everybody. Um, but after being there for a year, I said to my parents, oh, I really want to try the magic because, you know, what happens when you look, back, and I was quite clever back then to be 18 and realize this. Like what happens when I'm, 30, 35, 40, 50, and I look back and I go, you know, I could have been a magician. At least I could have tried it. And I had this idea that if, you know, if I try it, it doesn't work. I'm really young. I can go back to uni. Mm. And I could. So I took a leave of absence from uni, which I'm still absent from. <laughs> so never finished a degree. Yeah. And my father said to me very, I remember this so clearly. He said to me, okay, so if you're going to be an actor, we'd send you to NIDA, WAPA, mm. I don't know, Victorian College of the Arts. Mm. And you learn techniques and teaching and mm. You know, there's, there's programs and at the very least you become, and I'm not saying this is bad, this is great, you become a drama teacher. Mm. You audition for shows, you end up on Neighbours, you end up on Home and Away, mm. you become an Australian actor. Maybe you get really good, you become Hugh Jackman. My dad could see it. Because mm. you, go, you go to another school and you learn music, you learn to play instruments, you learn to play instruments, you can be a conductor, you can compose music, you can teach music. Maybe you become a rock star. That's what you want to be. You become like in excess. He got it. Yeah. He said, but you want to be a magician. And he said, where's the school? So education, mm. education, education, mm. education. Where's the school? Where do you go? I said, Dad, there is none. It's not like Harry Potter. No school. <laughs> right? In the Hogwarts. It's not so, like Harry so, Potter, Dad. So, so I, I try to convince him. I say to him, and this is what I was going to say a little bit earlier. It was a process of breaking down my, my, my father mm. and showing in different, the different ways and somehow having this blind faith that it's going to work out. That I can't answer the question of where that comes from mm. or why that was there. Or I don't know. I, can't even, I still can't figure that out. But it has to be born through your parents and giving them, even though you may not have been able to see it through the lens that you look through now, but it sounds like your mother... She instilled that. Yeah, yeah. it sounds like to me. I mean, for a woman... If I think about a principal of a school taking her son to the library, seeing that he's found something that mm. actually floats his boat and looking at that mm. book with the picture of Houdini mm. in it, it sounds like that she believed in you from an yeah, early age. 100%. Yeah. There's points. So, so, that's, so the story is this. So I said to my father, oh, I think 
I, I said to him, listen, I had like a plan for him. So I broke him down by explaining, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, and, and then I'll try this. And this was structure. This was an actual concept I had. And that's the language your father understands Correct. as an engineer. He understands structure, right? Correct. Yeah. So I explained that to him, that I was going to, where I had a roadmap that did what that we would follow. Mm. So then he was okay with it. And I ended up getting um, a contract to go on a cruise ship, which was happening in America. So he was pretty happy with that. So mm. that's why I took the leave of absence for uni, to round that story off. But there's way more involved in that. Yeah. Going back, we're jumping around a bit, but going back to what you were saying about my mother, one of the things that really motivates me, and I hate it, but it motivates me, is when I get told no. So my entire career has been built on the word no. Yeah. Like legitimately. I'm far more inspired by being told I can't do something than I can. When I started to have success, I actually felt myself get a little lazy. Right. Interesting. Or psychologically felt like I was getting a little lazy. Because all of a sudden, everything that I was um, not recognized for mm. and wasn't it's really interesting. If we, when we get to this bit, this is a very interesting dynamic that I, I still can't quite get my head around. Everything that I was rejected for, come 2011, you mentioned mm. earlier when I was on Australia's Got Talent, was everything I was now successful for. And that's a very difficult position to be in when you spend 15 years of knocking on the door, mm. trying to get recognition, mm. trying to prove yourself, and everyone's like, mm, 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 and then all of a sudden you do and doors start to open and people that were maybe bagging you out, saying no to you, and they're rolling out the red carpet. Yeah. And what do you do with that? Do you lash out and mm. say, you didn't support me? Yeah. Yeah. You didn't come to the shows when I nearly, when I really needed it? Or do you just... Embrace what, it. What do you do? Yeah, well, it depends on the type of person you are and it depends on how you, how you look at life, really. Mm. I'm, I'm interested, Cos, to understand... You taking that big step and going on Australia's Got Talent, oh. um, did they approach you? Did you approach them? H how did that work? So they approached me five years prior, five years, five times, five years earlier. Right. And I kept saying no because the magic acts traditionally didn't do very well in those shows. No. Yeah. TV, if you think that that show is a show where they discover talent based on the <laughs> audience voting, and it being fair, then you need to rethink yes, what's I'll... going on. I'm just being very blunt and very honest. So if you think you're going to go, if, if anyone thinks they're going to go on that show and it's going to work out in their favour because let's they're the be most honest. talented, you need, to re, you need to rethink. Yeah, let's be honest. Those shows are designed by the producers for Correct. the audience that they're trying to attack. Okay, so what, what I found interesting, and I'll tell you this with respect, I, I, I watched, I, I like, for want of a better term, those talent shows, mm -hmm. right? The, the bits are like The Voice, for example, yeah. I, I said to you I wanted to be a rock star. The problem with me being a rock star is I can't sing and I have no rhythm. But other than that... <laughs> I've got everything else. I've got stage presence, right? Uh, but I, I like it at the start and at the end. One of the things I found intriguing was you come on the show and it's like, wow, fuck, this guy's good, mm -hmm. right? But he won't make it through. Mm -hmm. And then he made it through the next round. Mm -hmm. I go, no, nah, he's got to fall off sooner or later. Yep. And you keep going and keep going and... It, I, I say this with respect, but you kept reinventing yourself because mm. <laughs> I hate to coin a phrase, it's very, but you're not a one-trick pony. Do, yeah. do, do you understand what yes. I'm saying there? I mean, and yeah, I, I just, I, I was intrigued as to how far you got. And I thought, this bloke's going to win it. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, well, you almost did, you know, but yeah. um, moving from there, that would have opened up a significant number of doors for you. So they asked five times. Yeah. I said no. Because you don't represent the art form correctly. Mm. You don't even know how to film it. Yeah, true. And I ended up shaking, they ended up getting the producer to call me, the head producer. Mm. And I ended up talking to him and, and I said to him, I'll do the show if you represent me the way I am. So in other words, if I go on stage and I make a mistake, just shot, that's it. I have to agree to that. But don't start editing things. Yeah. Don't start manipulating things. Don't make me what I'm not. Mm. Because at this particular stage, I was running around the country with my own crew, a truck, a trailer, seven of us, and I was doing shows, regional shows, and putting bums in seats, doing a 90-minute show. So let's just, let's just look at this for a second. This is important. Mm. I'm not a kid singing in the shower. No. I have a crew. You've got a full business. I've got a business. Yeah. And I'm running around advertising, putting bums in seats, 
We're designing posters. We're creating commercials. We're talking on country radio. I'm building. I'm building. I'm building. I'm establishing. I'm establishing. I'm I'm working out my persona. I'm working out everything. My mm. the whole business. Your brand. Everything. Everything. Yeah. So you've got to show me for who I am. Plus, I don't want you to ruin that. And I knew confidently, I said, well, if people are coming to my show and I'm putting bums in seats, there's got to be something there. I don't, you know, isn't there? Mm. So I'm not going on the show thinking to myself, oh, well, I'm really good at singing in the shower. I'll give it a shot. And if it doesn't work, I'll go back to school. I, I See, I didn't think of it like that because here I was, as you was telling me that story, I'm thinking, this guy's got the balls to knock it back five times. Are you mad? We're, yet in actual fact, Man, I've got a full business, a production crew. Oh, this thing's working. I don't want to say yes to ruin that opportunity. Correct. Right. Wow. And Correct. so you were relatively young at that stage when you had your, when you were doing your, your road yeah, show. Yeah, 20, 20, On the cruise ship, I was 20, I was 19 when I did yeah. the cruise ship. Yeah. Like, I was the youngest headline performer on this American cruise ship. I got kicked off the cruise ship. Fired. Cool. Why? That, I don't even, that's a whole other story yeah. again. Like, Sounds like you, that's you a want story another, that you want made... podcast. That's another story. <laughs> we actually don't really know. But yeah. I got three strikes and they kicked me off. So I ended up coming back home. My brother was flying up to see me. Had to cancel his trip to get his money back. Mm. It all was a disaster. And I've got in the, on the cruise ship. I needed two forty-five minute halves. Mm-hmm. And when they booked me, they said, "Do you have a forty-five minute half?" Yeah. And I go, "Yeah, yeah." And they go, "Do you have twelve? And I said, "Yeah, I had twenty minutes. <laughs> I had nothing." Okay, so this fast track it. But now I get kicked off the ship and I've got these two forty-five minute halves and I'm like, "What do I do?" So my brother and I go, okay, we'll create a theatre show, 45, 45, 90-minute show. We'll go theatre show. So we start putting on these theatre shows. Now, it, it's very difficult to put on a theatre. First off, having 90 minutes of material and travel that around yourself, no agent, yeah. no manager, no one to look out for me, no one to show me the ropes. I learned everything myself. And as the performer, 90 minutes is a fucking long time. It's huge. Yeah, it's not enough for the audience, but it's a long time yeah, for you. it's huge. So I'm doing all this for myself and learning the ropes. Yeah. Thinking it's torture, later on I find out that this is my this is my university, this is my education. Because when I get to the point where I get a manager, I end up teaching them how to tour. And I was shocked by how little the industry knew. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. I was like, what? You're the expert, not me. This will come up time and time again where I go into a situation believing that they have more knowledge than I do and they're the expert and fine. And I'm like, I've got to really pull my socks up because, you know, this is, this, these guys know what's going on. And I get there and I go, what a, what a shamble. Yeah. And shocked, more so disappointed yeah. by the situation I step into, thinking that these people always know better than me. Yeah. And so anyway, so I'm doing these theater shows. I decide to do Australia's for Talent because they agreed to show me for who I would be. Mm-hmm. And I said to the producer, Greg, I said, and if I say something, that's potent. Don't yeah. edit it. Yeah. Show it. So we shook hands. They said yes, and I ended up on the show. Now the rest is timing is the secret of the universe. There was three point one million people that saw the final of that show. It's the biggest show that was on TV that year. It's the biggest show that's been on TV since. Yeah. Nothing has beaten it. Not even live football shows now. Yeah. Beat it by ratings, and I became a household name because of that show. But. Who else really came out of the show? No one in that whole competition had the prior background that I had. Not mm. not not the, not have done that much work. Mm. People might argue that, but genuinely, they didn't put bums in seats like I had. Mm. They didn't tour it like that. And that's not an arrogant statement. That's just no. a truthful statement. So you need that foundation going on that show. Well, because the other pertinent point is, maybe five years earlier, you weren't ready for it. Hundred. That's exactly right. Right. And so. And again, I'm not pissing in your pocket and telling you it's raining, but you are the only person I can remember from that show. And mm. and so the universe or the influence of your parents or the person that you are, for one reason or another, knew that you weren't ready. Mm. Uh, and I heard you tell me they weren't ready for you. I'm going to argue that you probably weren't ready for yeah. them until you'd done the cruise ship, you did yep. the hard yards, you built a production company. I mean, you, you did the dog and pony show, yep. you had to do everything on local radio mm-hmm. and put bums in seats and all that sort of stuff and then you were ready and the, the planets aligned Correct. and 3.1 million people are looking at you yep. and away you go and here you come today. And Correct. And do you know what was funny? On that show, we'd already booked theatre shows before I went on the show. Oh, wow. 
and they sold out within seconds. And all we did, kept doing was adding shows. So other people are scrambling to put shows on mm. if they can. Yeah. A lot of them can't. They're doing corporates. Yeah. And I've got my own theatre show. Can I just, can you entertain me for one little second? Mm-hmm. Do I remember you falling from the sky? Yeah. And, uh, like, out of a trap, yeah. Yeah, it scared yeah. the shit out of me. Yeah, it was a six metre drop. <laughs> yeah. And no, I, I guess no, if, no mats. Yeah, no. And if I was sort of sweating, I, I wonder how you were feeling. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah, some burning ropes, yeah, and a trap, bear trap. Yeah. yeah, that was bloody awesome. I mean, and that was actually, you know, you're saying that they didn't know how to film. That was good TV. I remember, you know, they cut from you to the to the judges mm. and to the crowd and all that sort of stuff and people oh, shitting themselves. By the time I came on to do the show, they were very good at filming it yeah, now. Yeah. So previously they weren't – also, that's a good point, so I should correct that in case that comes back and they go, oh, they, they, when the show previously was on, it looked a little bit like Red Faces. The year before me, they redid the format. That mm. was the year that that Justice Crew dancers oh, yeah. won it. Yeah, they redid it, and it was a big shiny floor, mm. and it looked like very American. Well, they probably had more money, more Correct. budget because they had more viewers. Previously, it was on a dance floor. Yeah, so I was like, I'm not doing this show. This mm. is horrendous. When I went on it, it was much better production, much much better production, and they knew how to actually pull it off and pull it. And the producers had changed, and it changed hands, and it was looking, it was looking pretty schmick. Um, fast forward, and we'll jump back to in between if we can, but fast forward to February, March this year. Uh-huh. Um, I have a feeling, and not that we've spoken about it, but I'm sure you would have one or two shows booked, uh, yeah. a few gigs booked, and you're planning your whole life based on what you earned last year, and this is a bit about money and stuff like that, and you know we are an accounting and financial planning business, so we'd like to provide people with a bit of financial advice every now and then. Funny that. Mm-hmm. But you, you, know, you would have been planning out your life, um, uh, with your girlfriend or fiance, mm-hmm. this is what it looks like. I'm going to buy a house. I'm yes. going to do all this sort of stuff. Tell me how that was when you found out that potentially one or two shows might get cancelled. We do 80 to 100 shows, live shows. Mm. And come March, and I'd come out of I'm a Celebrity. Oh, The so, Jungle? Correct. Mm. So my, my year was lined up nicely with regional tours, yep. national tours, corporates march when it hit pretty much everything got cancelled mm. the things i could control i had to postpone mm. indefinitely really yeah. yeah well we postponed them and then we postponed them again yeah. so we lost pretty much everything straight away straight away <laughs> absolutely straight away and no one knew what to do and everybody was reacting very very Everyone, it was like this knee-jerk reaction mm. to a lot of the venues. Oh, we're just going to cancel everything. And we're like, well, just calm down. Just mm. postpone things, shift things. Tickets have been sold. You know, no one knows what's happening. You know, it's like cancel things. Mm. And, yeah, it was pretty – It was, and we got hit first before yeah. anybody. Because when you talk about we, it wasn't just you, the performer. You've got a team around you. Is that right? Yeah, so people always bring that up. I always say we because I shared the, res- I shared the responsibility. I shared the, the, the glory – with my team, when I say my team, I mean like my my brother, mm. um, my partner Priscilla. Mm. Um, it's not just me. If you're thinking it's just me behind the scenes, I couldn't do do it by myself. No. I need people to help me out. My manager. So I always say we. So I just want to think about this, right? So you're sitting there, February, March. You got eighty to hundred shows booked in advance. Yep. You and Priscilla are planning your life. Yes. You know? I'll you know, work here, we're going to travel there, we'll yep. go to Sydney, Brisbane, we're going to do this, that and the other, regional stuff, I'm going to earn this much coin, let's buy yes. a house, let's yes. do this, away we go, happy days, mm-hmm. and the switch is turned off. Yep. H- how did you deal with that? Yeah, I, yeah, sheer frustration. But yeah. Frustration by the fact that we didn't know what was happening, mm. we didn't know what was going on and what was going to be around the corner next, but I had the position of just... Shift the shows. Yeah. Shift them to July. Shift them to October. And that's what we kept doing. Yeah. So I had a little bit of hope that I could still pick up halfway through the year, end of the year. Of course, now we know that's not the case. No. What about financially? Did you have some reserve? Like- yeah. We, I, I, I had negotiated very, very well. No, not, I will correct myself. My manager and I had negotiated very, very well for I'm a Celebrity. Yeah, good. So... We that we kept all that money in the business, yeah, and that's basically what we didn't cancel our mortgage on the on the. We have a factory facility. Mm. We kept that going. We didn't cancel the wages or anything like that. So we kept all that going using that those finances, yeah. which now is 
you know, we would have used that to rebuild the business. Yeah. Not rebuild the business, but add to the business, yeah. new equipment. That's done now. Nah, so you just use it to keep the flight in. Correct. Good on your hats off you for getting that sort of money out of Channel 10. I oh, know that's pretty hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what did you do for work during the time? Because uh, with respect, if, if you're... If your big ticket item is a live nice. show where I come and see you and I touch you and I feel you and I, yep. well, that's probably not the case. I mean, <laughs> that sort of behaviour happens yeah, in the dressing that, room. Yeah, but, correct, uh, correct. No, but if, if that's fans your... Fans only page. <laughs> <laughs> if, but if that's your, your big money shot, uh-huh. I mean, there's a lot of people that are listening that, you know, could pivot their business and mm. work from home and, you know, work remotely. I, I couldn't see you being able to take advantage of that as much as other people. So what did you do? So... We went online. So the first thing I did was start a YouTube channel. Oh, cool. Okay, which I've always wanted to do. But you know there's not going to be any money in, in that. So I'm doing it to get be creative, have a creative outlet. Yeah. So I started a YouTube channel. But believe it or not, that YouTube channel led to sponsorship to make videos. So I was teaching magic. I should, be, yeah. I should clear it up. So I'm teaching magic online. Yeah, that's awesome. So that leads to very quickly... Mm. Um, a big uh, video company, a, vi- a video game company wanting to make me make videos for them. Yeah. Um, a whole bunch of, we had about three or four different online companies mm. come to us that I made videos for. Yeah. Um, it led to a whole heap of corporate shows that were done virtually. Oh, cool. And it, we were clever enough using my mother as a principal to offer school in co- like. Uh, teaching programs for schools. So we ended up doing two virtual shows a week. So up until yesterday were the last two I did. I mean, that is fantastic. And every person that I've spoken to on this podcast, and we've rolled out about 10 or 11 mm. now, mm. and every person that we've spoken to, what we found, one of the things that they had in common is when the shit hit the fan, yep. everyone sort of took a beat. And yep. to use a television terminology, took a beat. Now, some people's beat lasted a bit longer. Yeah, yeah. Um, but everyone took a beat and then focused on what can I do for others. Yeah. And I've I found in life, I've been in business, or my partner and I, Robbie and I, we've been in business for 23 years. And what we found is that the more we focus on others. Yeah, giving. Yeah. yeah, the more we give, the more we get. The more we focus on who do we serve and how do we serve them, what we want comes back to us yeah. in return. And so you go, what am I going to do? I need a creative outlet because yep. I'm a creative guy. Mm-hmm. I need a creative outlet. I jump online. I set up a YouTube channel about teaching kids and adults about magic. And that's it. And that's all you think about. That's all you focus on. That's it. And it's like this podcast, Save My Business. We don't get anything out Mm -hmm. of it other than giving. Mm -hmm. And every time I sit in this... Hey, do I get paid for this? (laughs) (laughs) I spoke to your manager earlier. Um, (laughs) Your brother's a real good guy. (laughs) But the more we focused on helping others, the more it helped us. Yeah. And, you know, I've had this amazing isn't self-discovery that, journey. That sitting in this, Yeah, just talking to amazing people uh, like yourself. And the more we focus on others, the more yeah. that we want comes to us yeah. in return. And um, Isn't that a beautiful thing when you start to realise that, when I, you're giving back? I think the other thing... And not doing it, expecting. That's right. So, like, like you said, I just thought, okay, I'm going to go online. And there's a, an important point here. Because I'm not the kind of person that wants to just sit around no, and, do, and do nothing. Mm. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. I gave myself the opportunity and can I mention Chev? Yeah, please mention Chev. Okay, so I've known Chev, I don't even know how long. Chev's our producer. So everyone listening, Chev's our producer and he's a bit of a rock star himself. Yes, and I've known him for a long time. So I, I, I started going online and I would ring Chev and I'd be like, so I was filming on my iPhone, then I bought some microphones, then yeah. I bought some cameras, now I've got three cameras, then I converted my boardroom to a studio, then I got lights, then so it went crazy. Yeah. But this process was an opportunity for me to learn how to film myself in 4K, how to edit. I would ring Chef and be like, Chef, I'm on Premiere Pro. He's like, you've got to get to Premiere Pro. This, and he, you know, helped yeah. me out a lot. And so that was an opportunity that I dived in head first to use it to learn. Yeah. So I went through this process of discovery of, of how to film and how to edit and still learning, obviously, mm. which was a lot of fun for me because mm. I couldn't do live shows. And yes, I could create magic with you and I was doing a lot of that, mm. but I was learning a whole new skill set, which I actually love and I enjoy. And it's funny because that led to then people going, can you do a show online? And I was like, yeah. And like, can you do it live? I was like, yeah. 
and I was set up with this studio. Yeah, awesome. And I'd turn on the cameras and the, the client would be like, are you serious? Yeah, where like, are you, a Channel 9? Yeah, yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. And I had three different angles, camera from the above, camera from the side, camera from the front, lighting, like coloured lighting. And and, the, and that led to other people going, no, you've got to hire Cos because it's yeah. really good. It's really." And what I realised, my medium, magic actually works quite well through the screen because I get you to jump on and participate and the magic now actually takes place and happens through the screen, yeah, it's awesome. It's very powerful. Yeah, it is. So, with the teaching and um, the live performance, it's worked really well. Now, is it like doing eighty to a hundred shows a year? No, no. But it's better than sitting around and twiddling my thumbs. Mm. So every day, I would get up and I would learn something new. I would learn how to edit. I would learn how to film on the camera. I would learn how to what what I did, what white balance. I rang her once. I said. I was filming my 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 fiance, and the whole thing just blew it. It's all like, it goes, did you did you check the wipe? Ah, oh, wipe balance. Yes, mm. thanks, chef. Yeah, gotta go check the wipe. So learning, 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 which reminded me a little bit of when I first started doing magic. This is what I'm thinking, right? I, but I'm also thinking to myself, you go back 25, 30 years when you were a 12, 13 year old kid, and I speak to your school teachers and go, this guy Cosentino, he has a thirst for learning and a mm. thirst for knowledge. They're gonna go bullshit. That kid can't learn anything. I know. I know. Is it, look at the way that the full, uh-huh. the full... Let me ask you a couple of shit-stirring questions if I can. Uh-huh. You know, you catch up with your mates from school like Shiv uh-huh. and, uh-huh. and all this sort of stuff and you go to parties and all that. Do your mates go, oh, come on, can you swallow a sword and can you do this and all that sort of thing? Do, do, do they sort of get you to do that sort of stuff for them? Well, I went back. I had my first TV special 2012. I went back to a wedding, a friend's wedding. Yeah. And the kids were there from school and one of the kids said to me in front of his girlfriend, he said to me... Um, he said to me, he introduced it to his girlfriend and he said something like, um, oh my gosh, we used to make fun of Cos all the time. We used to call him the clown. And I just went, what? Yeah. And I was like, man, what dicks? Like what? Yeah. To have such a narrow mind or, or view. And so th- you know, there's just a little bit of negative, in, in, there was yeah. a little bit of negative uh, association with that. Yeah. Um, sorry, you're going to say it on no, that? No, no, I... I I just look at back. Kids can be so cruel, mm. right? And I look back to when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm 47 now. And so I finished year 12 in 1990. So in the 80s, later mm-hmm. 80s, mm-hmm. the way kids behaved, the way the vernacular, the way we communicated and the way we treated other kids is, was just downright archaic. Mm. Right? Now, I'm fortunate to be a parent of kids now, so my twins are 18 and my young one's 13. And kids are still cruel, but there's so much, uh, they're so much more accepting of various different things. So back when I was growing up, the biggest insult you could ever give one someone is you're gay. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Now, gay is a new straight now. Everyone's gay. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. And so kids are much more accepting of that, but they are still mean. Mm. And, 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 and often, so being... Your sexuality is irrelevant. Yeah, right. I've noticed it's in today's yeah, right. Shifted That's from shifted. That. Yeah. But still, so previously when I was growing up, if you're if you were gay, you didn't fit in. Yeah, right. right. Now that sexuality is not An there's issue. no barriers. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. there's other issues that are barriers, right? And one of the things that you know, my youngest son is is quite a handy sportsman, right. both football and basketball and all that sort of stuff. But the last thing I want him to do is get ahead of himself and think that he is better than another child because that kid doesn't play sport. Right. right? And I think as parents, that's one of our responsibilities is to make sure the last thing we want, Cos, is to live in a country where there's 26 million Jason Cunninghams or 26 million Cosentinos. Yeah. The we fact need that diversity, that yeah. We need the diversity. And one of the things that I love about growing up in Melbourne is the fact that it's such a multicultural, diverse um, little country, t- big country town mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that we need to celebrate the fact yeah. that we see the world differently. Mm-hmm. And this, for me... I think it's somewhat immature uh, where people say, oh, he was a clown or he was mm. different. Because we want difference, don't Correct. we? Isn't that what we want? Yeah. Um, and, or do we want to become like redneck America? I know. I know. You know? Um, and, yeah, so anyway. I, 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 I share the exact same view. So that, that was um, – but when I'm at a party, not really, mm. not really – it will happen if I'm maybe like at a restaurant or a shop. Yeah. Someone might say, oh, can you do a trick? It, it, to me, it's interesting 
dilemma. Because if you don't do a trick, which I normally don't, mm. it, you, you, you disappoint. Yeah. If you do, you can also, I don't want to be told to do something. Yeah. Now, I, what, I what works like for that. you, what works for you is told you can't do it. Correct. So next time I see you in a restaurant, I go, I bet you can't yeah. do that. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. no way known yeah. you'll be Correct. able to make uh, 100 bucks appear in my wallet. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> I actually a thousand. Yeah. Correct. So you see, but, but also, do you think, do you think someone from, um, as, 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 I don't know. Oh, what about, so, do, you think, do you think someone from Home and Away walks in and they say, mm. oh, can you give me a monologue? Yeah. Or do you think... Well, well I'm an accountant and people don't often ask me, hey, Jace, can you knock together a bass statement that's, for me? That's what I mean. <laughs> like, it's a very interesting question to ask. No, it is. And the challenge... Oh, look, one of the challenges, I think, for someone like yourself, who's a showman, who's, who's uh, in creative world and, and you've got to be on brand, is there's an inherent da- danger in taking your identity from your job. Mm. Now, where you are fortunate, yeah, and yeah, again, yeah, uh, yeah. you know... That's a big one. Yeah, it is, right? Yeah. Now, and I, I mean, I don't need to tell you how to suck eggs, um, but, you know, there, there is an inherent danger in us t- uh, using our identity for what we do as work, but you've been able to blend a career out of something that you love, mm. which mm. is a gift, mm. right? You, you, that's a gift for you. And you've, I mean, you know, I, I spoke earlier on a podcast earlier today about... You know, someone asked me, oh, Craig Harper's a friend of mine and he, uh, he's doing a series of podcasts and he said, Jace, I want to do this series where how do we help people make 2021 a less shit year than 2020? Mm. And one of the things I spoke about is have the courage to back yourself in. Yep. And I, I mean, that's pretty much you in Which a nutshell. Which is why when you said, have I, the first thing you said at the top, have I ever had another job? Yeah. And my answer very quickly was no. Mm. Because... I didn't really want a backup plan. Yeah, right. I don't think I wanted one. I needed to fail or succeed. Yeah. If I failed, then I would say it didn't work. Yeah. And then I'm satisfied. Yeah, right. If I have a backup plan, then I'm always leaning on that. Oh, you know. Or maybe maybe the type of person that you are, Cos, is that if you did have a backup plan, you wouldn't go at something with the amount of conviction correct. that you hit it. You hit it real hard. Yeah, correct. And um, I'm, it, I'm all in. Yeah. Even with this whole YouTube thing, like mm. I just lose my mind. I go all in. Yeah. I can't go halfway. Yeah. Like I don't dip my toe in the water. I just jump straight in. Don't want to play poker again, see if you're going all in all the time, <laughs> mate. <laughs> so tell me, what does the future look like uh, in 2021? I mean, no doubt you're going to be gleaning some of the things that you've done this year into next uh-huh. year. But, you know, tell me... Live performances, what's going to yeah. happen? So live performances. So we do a regional tour every year, yeah. which lasts about a month, two months, mm. more when you do rehearsals. So now we'll have two regional tours next year, all locked in, all set. Yeah. Then I have... Wait, when you say regional, regional Victoria? Reg, sorry, reg, no, regional Australia. Oh, awesome. So every year we jump around, we'll do, like I would say, we'll do regional Victoria last year, then we'll do regional New South Wales. So we yeah. always do regional tours. Yeah. So yeah. I have two this year, uh, two, yeah, two um, coming up. I have um, a tour with the Harry Potter stars, which I'm um, emceeing. And so they're bringing a couple of the Harry Potter guys down and they're doing a tour as well, show for yeah, a month. Cool. So we're doing that. I do a month in Dreamworld. And this is all the, yeah, so we end up having about four pillars throughout the year, four majors. So each one is a month. Yeah. So, and then about two weeks of rehearsal for each each one. And then in between that, writing some new children's books, writing my, writing a new book about teaching magic, and trying to keep the YouTube and and alive, and hopefully, I'm hoping keeping the virtual alive because I would like to be able to say to a client, oh, "I can't be there because I'm um, in Brisbane, but I'll do it virtually for yeah. you." Yeah. Like I hope people don't. Now that I've put so much time and effort into that, I hope they don't forget that because yeah. there is there's revenue to be generated mm. by by literally being in two places at once. What, yeah, absolutely. What I'm intrigued about, and I, I should have mentioned this off the top, is the fact that you're an author. Mm. Um, and why I love that the most is for a kid that can't read or couldn't read, he's written a couple of books, yeah. best-selling books, mind yeah, you. Yeah. Um, That's what my mum's most proud of. Yeah, I'm sure she is. That's it's about beautiful. completing the circle. I have this thing about completing the circle, which is why, to some degree, I want to finish my degree. Not, I don't need it. You just want to complete the circle. Correct. I want to yeah. complete the circle. Mm. Because... So exactly. If you said to a twelve-year-old kid, myself, uh, you, you know, one day you'll write some children's books and blah, blah, I said, "That's crazy. That's not going to happen. That's never going to happen." Which is really interesting because that shows you 
that your past does not equal your future. If you think that what you're doing now is going to be the same as when you, you know, a year, two, three, four, 10, 15 mm. years later, you are, you are kidding yourself. It doesn't. You don't have to follow that trajectory. It changed, everything changes. So that would be advice I'd give myself as a kid. Well, yep. good luck, mate, because you're going to love books. This guy here in front of me is the son of a teacher. You, you are a teacher. Mm. This is what your mother's given you. This mm. is the gift that she's given you. Yeah, I, I, I wish every kid could listen to that. Yeah. And, I, and I'm going to make sure that every kid does hear that story because our past does not define us. No. Okay, it does not define us. And too often, yeah. that the conversations that we're having in our head, and I've got a few conversations going on there at once, we talk ourselves into and out yeah. of many things. Correct. And Cos, can I tell you this? It's not often that I get a chance to be in the company of a world Guinness Book record holder. Mm. Tell me what you got the Guinness Book record to hold for. So it was actually a group effort. We did the world's longest non-stop magic show. 72 hours, could not stop. So we had to tag team, basically. Yeah, wow. So non-stop. Do you imagine coming up with that many tricks? There's a lot of tricks there. Yeah. So that's that was a group effort, which was, which was, um, you know, it was a real privilege to be a part of, to be asked to be a part of that. Absolutely would be. Yeah. Absolutely. Because... You've got YouTube channels, you're spending time up in Dreamworld, um, you've got your own show, production crew, doing tally, writing books, all this stuff. How do you fit it all in? There's, there's time. There's more. I've got more. I can do more. Yeah. There's, there's always time. What, what, what? Because it's not work. Yeah, right. Like sitting down and writing this new book for HarperCollins where I'm teaching magic. I mean, are you serious? Like, you know, like I'm going to do it over the school holidays. Mm. I mean, Chef and I were talking about, like, mm. that's fine. That's not a problem. Mm. That's that's fun. That's going to be fun. Even making the YouTube is fun. We'll do two more. We've got Monday, Tuesday, next week. We'll do two more. I actually find it fun because, I, I, I don't know, it just, it's not, it's not, it's not work for me. What's the channel? What's the YouTube channel? I'm going to watch it. So it's Cosin, it's just Cosentino. Yeah. Just playing Cosentino. So on there, I do two types of videos. I do a teaching video and then I do a behind the magic where I talk about, I give you insight into what takes place to put a TV special together or when I did some death-defying stunt and what goes on or what the network said or when it all yeah. went wrong or pear-shaped. So there's all this insight into that. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, Cousin Tino, we're running out of time, big fella. And um, I've, uh, mate, I've really enjoyed this. You've given me goosebumps three or four times. I had oh. to get out of my seat and stand up. Thank you. Um, I, I've just found this outstanding. And I think, you know, just to sum it up, you, you're telling me about the circle of life. You, you have come to full circle. God only knows where the next circle is going to take mm. you. But, you know, from a son of a, of, a, uh, of a principal and an engineer who really struggled to read and write and comprehend things to now becoming a teacher, man, that's awesome. Thank that's you. awesome. And, and, and your gift is not your magic or not your illusion, but your gift is the want to share and give mm. for others. And thank you so much for sharing and, and thank you so much for your humility. And, um, yeah, and I've, I've really enjoyed it. So thanks, pal. Pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a, it's been a good chat. It's interesting to hear like when you ask these questions because you don't always get asked questions like this. So mm. it's good for me. It's interesting for me to see, even I get to now see how it all you know, links together. So it's been fun. Thank you. Cosentino, all the best. 